Welcome to HR in 15, a podcast dedicated to addressing the complexities of modern HR in just 15 minutes. Brought to you by Prestige PEO, simplifying HR. Hey everyone, is everyone ready for some HR in 15 once again? Well, I know I am. So as usual, I am your host, Eric Foodham, Chief Operating Officer here at Prestige. Today, we are joined once again by Karen Haycox, CEO of Habitat for Humanity in New York City. With over two decades of experience leading Habitat and partnering with multinational corporations, Karen brings a wealth of expertise in what it takes to build a corporate culture that's inclusive and supportive of its employees. Very exciting to share, and she's here to share some of our those insights and talk about how businesses can foster an environment that encourages diversity and inclusion. A really exciting topic. Um, how are you today, Karen? I'm great, Eric. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Yes, we are honored, privileged. We are so happy you are back um, with us and to share your amazing insights. So um, let's let's get right into it. Okay, here we go. So let me ask you, um, how important is diversity and inclusion to Habitat for Humanity in New York City? Uh, I would say diversity and inclusion is important to any nonprofit, to any, arguably to any uh, multinational corporation in New York City and around the world. I mean, maybe the question is, how well have we done in the diversity and inclusion sector um, historically? And, and, the, and the, the, the truth is, we need to do better. Um, you know, we have Habitat for Humanity potentially, one could say, has over the years been perceived a little bit of a, you know, as a white savior. When I think about this more than 70 countries in which Habitat um, does business, you know, we often are perceived as the, you know, forgive my use of this terminology, but sort of the great white hope. You know, we come into these community, very low income communities and countries around the world and in communities around the nation and sometimes come in like we have all the answers. And, and, and that is where our, you know, that's where we got our start. I think we have organizationally gotten better um, globally and really started to focus on partnership with, with the communities that we serve. Um, you know, organizing, you know, really being thoughtful around issues of race and class and geography and things that really influence the housing work that Habitat does. And in New York City, uh, you know, not unlike any country around the world or area around the nation, um, we are a diverse city and we are not a, a homogenous city and we, and each community has different needs. And so we've really got an increasing focus on being much more accountable to the communities that we serve and being reflective of the communities that we serve. Um, and that means much more than just hanging a DEI policy on our masthead. Um, it really means being thoughtful about how we express those policies, how we, what does our workforce look like? What, how do, what are our recruiting processes like? Um, you know, what is the corporate culture like once people are on board? And, you know, how do we, um, how, how do we talk to the communities that we partner with? Are we honoring their lived experience? Um, and so, you know, we have kind of a mixed, um, a mixed history, if you will, with, or a mixed success rate, really, with regard to how we've done that in the past. But given what we are all facing today, 
as we sit here, um, given the racial unrest and the, and that is underway in all of our streets around this country, I feel a significant sense of responsibility to raise our game, um, yeah. to, you know, to bring more to the table. Yeah, you, you, we were speaking about this before too, how important this diversity and inclusion is to you personally, but, um, do you, do you feel that since, you know, over your years at, you know, at Habitat for Humanity, New York City, have you, do you feel like we've made enough strides in this area or has the work only begun? The work has only begun. Um, yeah. You know, I am a, I am a white leader of a, an organization that is roughly 25% uh, diverse um, or people who identify as people of color. Uh, or as, as identify as something other than white. And we need to do better, candidly, in terms of being reflective. The, the communities that we serve, the, the families and the homeowners that we partner with, uh, tend to a very significant degree to be people of color. Um, over 80% are single female head of household um, in, uh, as one demographic. And then largely, they really are people of color who work in, in and around the service sector um, in New York City. So we have to be much more responsible. I think, again, I think it's it's incumbent on organizations like Habitat for Humanity to do better in this space. Something that maybe many people don't know about Habitat for Humanity is that we got our start um, in the south of Georgia in really breaking racial barriers. Um, and we were unafraid and unashamed to work together breaking the color barriers in the south of Georgia, where you had white, um, the white populations and the black populations that were largely being partnered with were working closely together to get Habitat its very start in the world. And um, we took some heat for that in, uh, in, the, in the history of South Georgia. There was a lot of uh, unrest. We were in the hotbed of KKK country, and yet Habitat really led early on in breaking those kinds of racial barriers. I think we've, we've, we need to do better now. Let's just say that. I think we can all do better. And there is much more that Habitat can do in New York City to be responsible, to, to, to help, to support um, the, the, our, our brothers and sisters that are on the streets fighting um, for a more just society. Yeah, you and, and Habitat play such an important role in, in, in quotes, breaking those barriers, right? And it's amazing um, to, to, to know that, you know, Habitat started in, in Georgia and, you know, even with so much work, more work to do, um, you've made so, so many inroads and, and, and set the tone. And so, so you really kind of work with, you know, your, your staff and making sure that, you know, any employee of Habitat for Humanity in New York City understands how important diversity and inclusion is, correct? Well, I think we are doing, you know, we're revisiting it. I think that we have yeah. done a decent job, but we're revisiting it in the scope of what we are going through now as a society. Um, you know, we have a front row seat to um, to just the lack of, of equity that and the and the frankly, the systemic racism that our black and brown neighbors face. Housing is a veritable hotbed of, of, of racist policy and start including redlining and discriminatory practices and lending and and the ways in which the system combines to keep communities of color marginalized um whether i'm speaking specifically around geographies you know uh, we want to put a red line around the geographies where 
um, where communities of color can and should live and buy if they can buy, um, and as well as uh, just basic housing policy um, and lending practices. I mean, it's it's uh, we have a lot of work to do in the housing sector um, relative to a more just approach to integration than we have done uh, than than has been true in the past, certainly. Right. So so with. So everything kind of changed, I guess, a little bit more um, in in terms of being more alert and you know changing the way we look at things after you know George Floyd and everything that's gone on with the protests and the news and the media. So I I, I would think everything has changed in terms of how you approach some of these you know inner city communities. Correct. Well, I think it starts. I think it all be, starts and ends with each of us as individuals um, and looking and examining our own privilege. And so, again, I am a white leader of an organization with a well-known brand. And so it is my intention as a, as a leader of this organization to leverage my privilege in support um, of the black and brown activists that are on the street. It is not for me to lead. It is for me to amplify their message. And, um, and I feel a keen sense of responsibility to that. I also have um, black and brown employees that report to me, and this is a time... I think, unlike any in history, potentially, um, that really I feel a sense of responsibility to those employees to um, to have them feel heard. It is, you know, I've I've kind of started. I've started to use this term, and you know, I am I am an outspoken individual, um, and so I am very apt to step in it, if you will, when it comes to issues of race. Um, I'm very conscious of, of my privilege in this, and I am committed to speaking up because I really believe that in order that this time in history that we really make meaningful change, that it is incumbent on those of us with privilege um, to to use that privilege. And in my case, that's my voice. And um, and it is awkward. I am an awkward ally. I will use the wrong terms, say the wrong things, but I am committed to learning and doing better and amplifying the messages that I'm hearing um, from um, those of my friends and colleagues who are in who are leading this charge. Um, now is the time for change, and and so it is it is important to all of us to examine how we can use our privilege to support and to follow in the footsteps of those that are leading this effort. Yeah, you know it's funny um, because you're leading the charge and because your voice is so powerful. To me, it doesn't seem so awkward at all. It seems right. Don't you think so? Well, it's certainly, it feels right. I mean, I can only, um, I just think that, you know, we're so used to, um, it's such, it's at least in my history, maybe I should speak personally, you know, is that I've learned, I, I learned growing up that you don't, you know, you don't talk about things like this because they're awkward. You don't talk about religion. You don't talk about politics. You don't talk about race because it's just awkward. And, and somewhere along the way, uh, my parents raised someone who is, uh, who has become very willing to say, I am going to embrace my discomfort around this t- subject matter in order that we can be we can profoundly make some kind of meaningful change. And so, in other words, if I stay in my comfort zone, nothing changes for Karen. Um, and so I've got to get, it's incumbent on me to get out of my comfort zone and I'm going to make mistakes. And I think I have to be willing to, to make those mistakes, own those mistakes, correct those mistakes, and link arms with uh, 
with with like-minded individuals to try and impact real meaningful change. Well, your parents certainly raised an unbelievable woman, and uh, you are that um, individual that is going to you know preach the message about change. Um, and this 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 topic is is so is so very um, important. Um, what do you do? You speak to a lot of um, your staff about diversity and inclusion because I would think that it's so important for you personally that you would continually, you know, kind of want to at this point, and I'm, I'm assuming going forward, um, make, make sure that y your your staff understand how important this issue is for not just yourself but for the whole organization, and because you are the voice of such a brand of of New York City as well. Um, yeah, I think we, um, we, we've spent a good deal of time talking about it across the staff. We spent a good deal of energy and time working on, um, gender issues and getting, you know, gender equity, uh, appropriate and LGBTQ issues. You know, we've spent, to, it seems I happen to identify as a, as a member of the LGBTQ, uh, um, as a lesbian woman. And so I feel like we have, um, maybe through my leadership, potentially through some projects that we're working on um, that will serve the LGBTQ population, we've spent a lot of time trying to get um, to, to lead that change within our workforce. Um, and so now I feel like it's time for us to revisit this whole racial equity lens. Um, and so we are on the at the cusp, if you will, of a really holistic and substantive overhaul relative to this. And that is really as a direct result of the murder of George Floyd and, and uh, Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor, and sadly, the list goes on. Yes. And, um, and so we are going to and committed to undertaking a holistic uh, review of our work in this area. And that means, as I said at the beginning, what it means to me is not just coming up with the policy. And, and putting it on the website and feeling good that we have a statement that we can make relative to this, but really, really being committed to doing the difficult work of rolling up our sleeves and understanding our own implicit biases and how they might impact our decision, you know, uh, decision-making processes, or how they may impact our, our communications across divisions um, with people who are like us and unlike us. And how do we have good and honest, substantive conversations around this? How do we listen to those of our black and brown colleagues, the voices of our black and brown colleagues to be respectful? Um, and how do we really be, you know, honor uh, all that the, the legacy that Habitat for Humanity is and, uh, and bring all of that to bear on this critical issue? Your words are so beautiful and so powerful. I think again, you underestimate how, how powerful how how you say and and talk about this stuff is so meaningful for your staff to hear, as well as um, the community that you serve in New York City. They are clearly led by an, you're you're an amazing woman. If you want to learn more about Habitat and how you might get involved once again, and I, I mentioned this last uh, last episode too. You can find Habitat for Humanity in New York City on Facebook, and you can send a message directly through Facebook. You can go to their website as well, HabitatNewYorkCityNYC.org. Karen, thank you so much for being on the podcast. My only question to you is, would, can we have you back? You know, you guys are, this is a team sport here at Habitat for Humanity, and you guys are on the team. So, you know, you call me off the bench and I'll be back in a heartbeat. Ah. The bench, you're 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 on the team as well. Yes, you're on the team as well. So, 
God yeah. save us from a sports analogy. Oh my goodness. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I was hoping to get away from sports for about 10 seconds. Um, but you are awesome. You're an amazing woman and thank you so much. Um, and, and as usual, I want to thank you, our listeners for joining us today. Um, you could hear more insights um, on all things um, with, from Karen and other experts, but you can find us also on your favorite podcast app. Just hit uh, HR and 15 or by just visiting HR and 15.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. For questions or more information on today's topic, visit prestigepeo.com.